Hey everybody, I'm Karen Stefano, author of The Secret Games of Words, and with me this evening is Antonia Crane, author of the memoir Spent. So, how are things in Los Angeles? Hey Karen, things are pretty hot in Los Angeles. I know, and humid, where are you? Right? San Diego. Very humid. Yeah, yeah. kind of sticky. It's really sticky. Yeah, June gloom's hot. over. It's yeah. super sticky and hot. You're in San yeah. Diego? Uh-huh. How are things there? Are um, you near the ocean? Yeah, I'm right by the, the bay. Um, but, yeah, it's really, it's really unusually hot and humid. And I'm sure that um, by us sitting here, us complaining about our Southern California weather, that we're just going to get tons of sympathy from all the people oh, yeah. on the East Coast. Yeah, we have it so hard. We have it, it's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible, but we <laughs> complain. Um, so, okay, so enough, enough complaining. Um, uh, <laughs> I wanted to, to jump right in and uh, talk to you about spent, and I want to start by just saying, wow, uh, this is one hell of a book. It is so bold and brave and beautiful. Aww. Yeah, I mean, you and you did such a terrific job of drawing the reader into your scenes, and you did a great job. Thank of, you. Yeah, well, you just made me feel so much discomfort, Antonia. Um, you know, the the opening scene, I really felt I was with you and Kara in that hotel room with that man with oh, that god awful skin thing, and. I'm sorry you felt that way. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I, I think that meant you you hit, you hit a home run. Um, uh, if you're making me feel that that visceral level of discomfort and and desperation, but but the thing about your book is that there's just so much more here. Um, there are some really powerful themes throughout this work, and one Thank of you. those. Yeah, uh, is is control, and um, if it's okay, that's interesting. With you, yeah, well, that that's that's one of the things I picked up on. Mm-hmm. And let me mm-hmm. let me um, read a line um, from sure. chapter six, if if I may. And for those of you listening, um, I, you know, I just referenced a hotel room, but this is this is several chapters later, and we're back. She's brought us back in time to when she was about uh, fourteen. Uh, when she was suffering from bulimia. And you write, no matter how much I barked, no matter how much jazzercise I did, I was never going to be skinny. But it wasn't only about the weight. Bulimia was about control, which I was always on the brink of losing. And Mm -hmm. uh, so, so, Antonia, I wanted to ask you, what does it mean to you to be in control in your life? That's a great question. <laughs> I think that uh, well, what comes to mind when you ask me that is not really about when I was 14, but maybe it did set the stage. Because I think the, the sex work aspect of performing is all about sexual power and wanting to be in control and wanting to build intrigue with people but really looking for love from my family, particularly, you know, my father left. And I think that at that time, you know, we're talking about 14, so he left when I was 10. I think I 
that's probably, I was reeling from a vicious divorce. You know, my mother was raging, uh, angry at my father. My father totally took off, which is also in your book, which we will get to. Your father, grieving your father and how that was for you. Um, but yeah, losing control, just, you know, I think I was, I was reeling from a shitty divorce. I was a pawn between two people who had grown to hate each other. And when you're a kid, you blame yourself. And then, so you want to, you know, I wanted to control everything around me and I was, and I could absolutely control nothing around me. But, you know, that's why young girls, eating disorders is that we become obsessed with controlling the one thing that we have control over and that's what we put into our bodies and what we take out. Yeah. Um, as an adult, I think it looks like sexual power uh, or the illusion of sexual power um, because it's fleeting, you know. I think it's, I, you know, I think it's more interesting to be in a place of lost, con- uh, lost control um, as a, a recovering addict I mean, I certainly have flirted with control and losing control and what that's like. Um, but uh, I think that you're right. I think that there are, now that you're, you've brought it up, there are a lot of points in the book where I am struggling with losing control and trying to get it back and, and losing control and kind of surrendering, you know, the surrender and humility that you have to have when you realize, oh, I don't have control at all. And maybe that's not the goal. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, and that's, I definitely, you know, I think that's a a theme we kind of share in in our two works. But let me ask you a a related question. um, Sure. Still about about control. What what is it, and shifting gears a little bit, but what does it mean to you to be in control on the page? Ah. I like to not be, <laughs> but it's hard. Um, I don't, you know, I was talking to another writer about inspiration, and, you know, he doesn't believe in inspiration. And I I like it, but I don't depend on inspiration um, and what that means. You know, I think that kind of means, you know, you have a muse and, you, you know, you write when you're moved, and I don't, I'm very blue-collar about my writing. I show up, I show up every day to work. And, um, so control on the page to me, I'm not really sure. Um, I think that, uh, gosh, I like, I like it when I lose control and I'm not sure where I'm going. And I think that's the most pleasurable loss of control on the page. Um, and I think my best writing, I don't know, I want to know what you think about this too. And I, when I'm writing something, if I'm not, physically disturbed and almost crying or really upset, it's not great writing. So that's an interesting way to think about control. It's when yeah, I'm yeah. too yeah. concerned with craft and getting a sentence correct. I don't think it, it's a very raw place where I like to be. What about you? That's a great question. Yeah, I, I love your writing. Oh, by thank the way. you. You are. You are. You're a sweetheart. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree with you. And I... I I like your your blue collar description. I too am very blue collar in terms of being disciplined. And if I just waited for mm-hmm. inspiration or the muse or whatever, I would never write. And um, yeah, it wouldn't happen. Yeah, it would just <clears throat> never happen. 
but yeah, but I agree with you. Um, the most fun I have is when I'm when I'm out of control and uh, the, yeah. you know the voices in my head say stuff. It's like, oh holy shit! I had no idea she was gonna say that, and um, that's that's mm-hmm. a great feeling. And then, yeah, and then yeah, later you go back and you put in the comma and you you t- you do the tightening. But yeah, it's on the page. I think is uh, it's it's great to be out of control. Yeah. I mean, your anger is so beautiful and out of control. Like, you give yourself permission to do things that are socially unacceptable that no one would ever do, and then you, you refer to, you know, being violent. And, and um, you know, that loss of control is really attractive on the page. I noticed yeah. that about your work and your scenes, which we'll get to whenever you want. Can we just go back and forth like this? Yeah, let's do let's let's do it. Okay. Um, so because so, I would love to, um, in the out of control thing. What about your your anger was so beautiful? It was like this blazing thing, like it took on its own character, and I totally fell in love with your anger over and over again on the page because it was just like it was like this character that I fell in love with, blazing and stunning and clever, and just the dialogue was incredible, and just the hallucinations that were happening and just the banter in her head. And, you know, you said that this was fiction and I, you had me, I thought it was nonfiction. I was about, I was ready to ask you about the loss of your father and your, your terrible ex-husband who you saw cheating on you on kiss cam at a Celtics game. Um, yeah, no, it's fiction, but, um, you know, you know, let's, let's be honest here. I mean, um, there's there's fiction and there's fiction. And I think that good fiction writing is feeded is, is feeded is, is that a word Antonia is is fed um uh, fueled. <laughs> the, fueled maybe fueled fueled there we go um there we fueled go. by the worst the worst experiences of our lives and and i did i did lose my father um and that that by no means makes me unique um a lot of people have have lost their their parents um, too soon, um, and that that definitely came through in several stories in this collection. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, I was mm-hmm. talking to Sarah Sarah Lipman, and she was asking me about what it was like to put together this collection, and mm-hmm. and I and I said, it, you know, it was it was it was disturbing in a lot of ways because you know you write and you have these scenes and you have these stories. And you're mm-hmm. not even aware of the themes that that are coming up so consistently. And it wasn't until I put the collection together and gathered the stories and put them next to one another that I saw, okay, in the Secret Games of Words, the title story uh, for the collection, uh, uh, a dying father is really um, prominent. And then after, you know, mm-hmm. these stories later, there's another dying father, and then uh, there's another one. Don't you one. think we keep writing about that? Don't we keep returning to the scene, the scene of the crime over and over? Yeah. I mean, that loss and that grief, and I don't know how true to life the ex-husband is. You, you certainly, you know, had me by the tail. You had me by the nose, the tail, the nose ring, with all of it. Um <laughs> And I, I feel like we return to the scene of the crime over and over. Like in every story, and all, and I don't know why the sex scenes. Often my sex scenes have my dying mother's body in them. Like I just couldn't write a sex scene without my mother's body in the room. And like there's this essay that I uh, 
has been getting rejected from everywhere um, for the last year and a half. It's kind of about a it's about a love story, but it's also about um, a, a breakup and and returning and falling back into the indus- the sex industry, which is what I write about a lot. Um, and in, in when I'm falling in love with the person and seeing like I'm thinking about my mother's body, like and when I see this customer who I think might want to kill me, and I wander off with him. Um, I, my, I think of my mother's shrinking thighs as I'm sitting there wanting to run. And I, you know, it's like my mother's body is, is everywhere in my work. And do, do you think that, um, how many stories have contains the scene of the crime? Uh, you may have more than one crime scene that you yeah. bring up over and over and over. What are your crime I, scenes? My crime scenes, um, I think are, um, you, you know, d- dying father, um, mm-hmm. uh, fractured marriage, whether, you know, mm-hmm. for a variety mm-hmm. of reasons. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think that the, the, the crime scenes are, they're, you know, they're lost, they're betrayal, they're mm-hmm. the fear that time's moving forward, without you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I also think, I, I mean, I hope anyway that in the stories in this collection, um, there's, you know, there's not just the crime scene, there's the there's the escape from the crime scene and hopefully a little bit mm-hmm. of the themes of, of transcendence and transformation. And, um, mm-hmm. you, you know, you're... You know your your mother is is definitely um, one of your you know crime scenes uh, so to speak in in your memoir. But I, I think that that you know that, you know the parallel are two very different works. Again, um, I think you also mm-hmm. have themes of transcendence and and transformation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm interested in mercy more than I am transformation. But I like, I mean, I want to learn more about transformation, but I think I'm more preoccupied with mercy. And I don't know if that's because um, uh, redemption literature is so exciting to me. I think because as a person who flirts with darkness and has a history of drug addiction and, you know, um, being sort of attracted to things that are bad for me, like a magnet, um, and coming out of that, I think that that excites me on a visceral level. I'm interested in you talking about transformation. I'm curious where you see that or where you have that in your writing. In 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 mine? Transformation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well I think Can you tell me more um, about that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean I th- I I think like for example using the the title story as an example and for those of you who are listening mm-hmm. in um this the story, and there's this is no spoiler alert here, but this is a woman who is writing what she uh, realizes will be her final email to her husband of many years, mm. and she mm-hmm. kind of does, uh, um, you know, it, an overview of what's happened uh, in their marriage and in the last year, and uh, and as Antonia has, has has mentioned, there's she's she's pretty pissed off. Um, with, with mm-hmm. good, for good reason, and but I think that at the end she's able to just you know to just to just 
let go and and she thinks mm-hmm. of one of her father's you know kind of corny expressions which he had and and uh is and, it the beating the head against the wall one? yeah and then it's yeah I it's, love you, that. You, it's yeah when you're it feels so good when you stop that's the thing about it mm-hmm. and so it's not a it's not a huge leap of transcendence um but mm-hmm. i don't think when we when we transform and we grow and we let go and we transcend that what's dragging us down, I don't know that all of us get that huge ecstatic moment. So for 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 others, it's it's you know it it happens in baby steps. Um, yeah. Um, you know? So or for some people, it doesn't happen at all. But but yeah. let me let me ask you. Um, I you love know, that. So we're we're talking about um, themes, and I want to go back to yeah. another of the many themes that I saw in Spent. And mm-hmm. um, uh, later on in the book, uh, in Chapter 16, you you talk about purpose, and I'm just mm. going to read one one line, and sure. you you said. When men watched me do dildo shows in the cage, I felt like I had a purpose. And and that and that sentence, just that one small, simple sentence, really resonated with me. But I wanted to, mm. to ask you um, basically the same question I asked you about control. What does it mean to you to have a purpose in in, in your life? And, and what other what okay. other things in life make mm. you feel like you have a purpose? Oh, that's such a beautiful question. Lots of things. Um, I think that I am a happy worker. I love being of service. When I'm writing, I try to be of love and service in my writing to help people feel more empathy, I think, uh, feel more connected to the human race. That writing, it feels like it has that purpose for me when it's really good. And hopefully I mean, I can do that. I can try. I can try to do that. I feel like I have a purpose when I'm um, helping someone who's in need or suffering. I feel like um, when I do the work with incarcerated teenage girls and helping them write their essays to pass their English classes and get into college, that I have a purpose. Um, I think it's really important to feel industrious. Yeah, yeah. And um, I feel like yeah. um, one of the main purposes as a women, as a woman writer is to represent a type of female experience that a lot of women don't care about. For instance, what happens a lot to me, and I, and I you know, just like floors me every time it happens, but housewives from Arkansas somehow get a hold of my book. And when I've met them at workshops, they come up to me and say, they read my book and they were blown away by it. And I'm just like, how did you find out about me? You know, and it's, um, I feel like my purpose in a way is to sort of expose this type of female experience to the world mm-hmm. in a way to be seen, in a way to be heard, in a way to join hands with other women. Yeah. yeah. Which and is a powerful thing. Yeah, you do it. And you do it so so spectacularly well and wow I love I love what you just said because yeah I think I mean I mean that's a that's a fantastic purpose and I think that you know this is 
this is not a community who is often well served and um and yeah. through your word yeah you are you are being being of service so that's pretty that's what about pretty you I, what uh, about your uh, purpose in this book and in in your collection are there certain are there certain uh, stories in this collection where you felt like, oh, this is what this accomplishes? Or is it just a feeling? Um, or or in, your, in the world that you live in, how do you feel like you have a purpose? And is it important to you to feel, I don't know, useful, I guess? Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess it, it is, it, it is an inherently um, important, I guess, for all humans to feel like they have a purpose and in terms of like my purpose uh, with these stories and this collection I think you know it's to to share through fiction um, experiences emotions mm -hmm. not all of which yeah. are, are, are the kind of emotions you want to be having um, but to to give readers a way to connect um, with perhaps the worst times of their lives and to not feel so alone. Mm. A lot of a lot of people have told me, um, you know, wow, um, I really I really felt a connection with these stories. Um, that you know, none of these things have ever happened to me, but the emotional experience. I could relate to, and um, yeah. yeah, and it like it makes people feel less lonely. I think, and I think that's what I think yeah. that's what what art's all about. I think that's what what good writing, whether it's memoir or short mm -hmm. fiction or 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 otherwise. I think I think that's what it's all about is is connecting uh, connecting emotionally, and yeah, uh, yeah, and. Where else do I have a purpose in my life? Um, it's such a it's, it's such an easy question to ask and such a hard question to answer. Um, well, can I interject <laughs> with one comment yeah. about what you just said? Yeah, yeah. About your purpose in your writing, um, you said something super interesting, and I wanted to say that it reminds me of Lori Moore's story collection, Birds of America, where and I felt this way while reading your work as well. Sometimes just her, her, the way that she's feeling the world is so prickly and so there's something like vicious and alive there that we don't allow ourselves, particularly as women. Yeah. And that yeah. point of view was really exciting for me in the same way that Lori Moore is exciting for me. Well, well, thank you so much for saying that. And yeah, Lori Moore, you know, I, 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 I worship her. I've read her work over and over and over again mm. and um and I, I i you know i i'm sure i'm influenced my voice is influenced by her voice not that i would ever say that i could execute on the page the way she does cuz she's just a master but yeah i mean i but, it, but it's it's interesting how you know there's that that prickliness and but the comedy too, like the tragic comedy. Oh yeah, has. it's the clever. Yeah, yeah, and you're never mean. Like it's not mean. You know, I read um, Stillbirth, I think by Alyssa Albert, and 
I had a really hard time with it initially, probably for the first 75 pages, because I just thought, God, it's so mean. Like, how am I going to stick through this? I mean, it, it did pay off, and it's an amazing book. But um, the, the anger that I, that I love, that I, that I emailed you about and said, God, you know, your anger is so beautiful and stunning. It's like this blazing sword, and it, but it's so clever. Um, there, it, it shines a light. The anger shines a light. I'm going to put on a T-shirt that Antonia Crane says my anger is beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay? Yeah. It's exciting. It's exciting. Um, When I read something like, you know, and I I think, honey, I think you're shoulder to shoulder with Lori Moore. Um, And... Yeah, you know, you know what I'm talking about when you read something like, God, this narrator, or, you know, this protagonist is such a bitch. Like, I just don't think I can handle it. I just, this is very off-putting. And, you know, you hope that it pays off. Um, I don't feel alienated by the anger. I felt totally illuminated that this was such a beautiful, complicated, clever, well-deserved anger. And it's exciting. But anyway. I'm sorry to dominate that, no. like to keep no, nailing no. that one home. But, it, you know, when, when it's new, it's something new. It's just like it's very exciting to see that. Well, well thank It's very you. fresh. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I mean. Um, but you were going to talk about purpose in your life, and I interrupted, so I apologize. No, uh, no, I, I was just, just going to say that, um, you know, there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of categories in my life where I where I don't feel purpose, um, but the you know the the categories where I do are my relationships with my friends um, and where do you not and, feel purposeful? Oh, uh, um, um, sometimes in in my day job, um, uh, yeah, I feel. Yeah. I feel like a, just a cog in a wheel sometimes. Sometimes I do mm-hmm. feel purposeful, um, but not as much mm-hmm. as I'd like. But, you know, yeah. I, you know so, um, yeah. I get so. it. <laughs> so, um, so let me ask you, you know, we've been talking already for about a half an hour. Can you believe it? Okay. I can't believe that, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe it either. So, um, so we still have we have a little bit more time, but I just I'm not going okay. to let you off this call before I ask you about something you say in your acknowledgments. Um, oh, sure. You, yeah, you say um, uh, you see, you talk about uh, changing the most frightening and awful parts of ourselves. Do you believe that we as human beings, are capable of changing the most frightening, awful parts of ourselves. And do you do you still ever scare yourself? And do you still have awful parts? Um, uh, I know I'm asking a, a lot here, but sure. Yeah, uh, absolutely, a hundred percent. Do I think people can change? Absolutely, every day. All the time, every minute, people change. I do not believe people are stuck in their ways. I think they can change in thought, feeling, action, outlook, emotion, absolutely 100%. I've not only experienced it myself, but I have experienced it directly in my family over and over. Um, 
every time I think that I think I know something about the human race, I'm totally 100% surprised. Yeah. Um, have I changed the mo- do, I, do I still scare myself? Sure. Um, scare myself? I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Um, you know, you get used to your own idiosyncrasies, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think I, I, you know, and this is like, you know, we're talking about a time in my life when I wrote the, wrote the book and the, my mother's death was still in the room. And I was feeling reckless despair and very alone. And, like, I hurled myself back into the sex industry and fell into the laps of strangers so that I could forget my own troubles and listen to somebody else's, which, you know, in AA, that's what you're supposed to do, oddly, is you're supposed to, like, forget about yourself and help another. But I was just helping others topless in a strip club. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, reckless despair is a scary thing. Um, And heartbreak you know, is a scary thing when taken to the nth degree. And I don't think I'm the only woman who feels that. And I have taken that to the nth degree. (laughs) You know, just coming fresh from the slaughterhouse of love, you know. Um, But we're talking about the possibility of change. And absolutely, I like to read stories that change me while I'm reading them. And I strive to write one of those. Um, I think I kind of embodied your father's quote at the end of my book. I, that just came to me. I could be wrong. Correct me. But when, and I want to ask you that question as well, but when the end of my book, you know, without being, giving it away, basically this woman, um, you know, she doesn't, the end of my book is not a stripper who, or a sex worker who gets rehabilitated you know, marries Mr. Wright, gets a job in corporate America, or anything like that, or even goes back to school. She already went back to school. Um, and But there's a piece, I think, at the end of my book, but it's not an easy piece. And I think when your dad said, you know, um, the greatest thing about hitting your head against a brick wall over and over and over is that it feels so great when you stop doing that. Like, I think that that feeling is at the end of my book. Yeah, I, and I, I, I totally hear you on that, Antonia. Um, I, I, I felt that too, um, because you know, reading your book, I was, I was really struck, obviously, by the despair you've experienced, um, and, and you know, and I think the book, you know, we talked about control and purpose, but yeah, the book's so very much about power, sexual power. It's about making bad decisions, self-loathing in parts, spinning in circles just mm-hmm. to survive, and then doing the hard work, um, the work of trying to find a way through, a way out maybe, to find a better life. And even if that better life comes only by way of the smallest, smallest baby steps rather than huge leaps. Mm-hmm. And I think... Again, um, I you know uh, you know our books are are very 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 different, but um, I think yeah I mean I see that too um, that we both have that there's that you know transcendence um, and it's but it it, yeah. it comes you know and at least in my title story um, in your book in in the in the form of baby steps and yeah. Um, uh, it's 
as you say uh, in your book, this isn't, you know, a, a pretty woman's, a pretty woman Julia Roberts bullshit story. Yeah, um, <laughs> totally. So, uh, yeah, so it's, I mean, it's the real deal. Um, but, um, okay, so we're just about uh, where we need to wrap up. Um, but I wanted to read I, a part of your book. Oh, okay, okay. Well, read read away, my dear. Um, we still have just a couple more minutes, so you read away, and if okay. you have any more last questions. I want to read a part of uh, Secret Game of Words. It's on page, you know, nine. And um, I was really struck by this, this paragraph really sums up this beautiful anger that I'm talking about and how it is so graceful. Um, and this is where the woman discovers something terrible. I hit record and preserved what can only be deemed an epic kiss, impressive work by anyone's standard. Then I hit rewind and played it in slow motion, daring myself to believe that it was really you on the screen, lapping at the mouth of a near skeleton. I thought of all the other things I'd seen, my failure to entertain the questions they had posed, the working late, the vastly improved personal hygiene, a sudden motivation for push-ups. Simon and Garfunkel said a man hears what he wants to hear, but I think that applies to women too. I remember then, the woman singing in the park, how she tried to warn me. I love hearing you read that. That's so, that's so cool to me. Um, well, I think that that, you know, about transcendence and about grief and about anger, I think that piece just, just nails it on all, just fires on all cylinders. So you don't have, do you not have time to answer that question? Believing, um, no, do you think that we can change the most? Oh, okay. Do you think we can change the most frightening, awful parts of ourselves? And do you still scare yourself? Do you have awful parts? Um, I definitely have awful parts. Um, and I, I definitely scare myself, um, uh, you know, sometimes more often than others. And, and I think I scare myself, I scare myself when I feel completely out of control. And, mm. uh, and you know, it, this, as this conversation goes on, it's like, it's like, duh, um, you know, control is a complete illusion and yet we cling to it and it causes oh, us yeah. so much grief that when we don't have it. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, hell yeah. I mean, I scare myself all the time. Um, um, I have awful parts. I work really hard to minimize them. Um, I try mm -hmm. to do the work on myself to have to, to be happy and um, mm -hmm. you know sometimes being happy is is work and I, I think that's just a sad a sad truth it isn't always but sometimes it is and only when you kind of do that work and try to achieve that happiness are you capable of being a decent human being to the people that you encounter that you know if you aren't if you want, if you haven't taken care of yourself mentally, you know you're not going to be able to be merciful, as you know, as as you talk mm. about. And, um, yeah. And um, so, so yeah. But but I also I also believe that um, people can change. I think that a lot of us get stuck 
um, my character Leslie in The Secret Games of Words, she got really mm-hmm. stuck for a long time. You were mm-hmm. stuck for a very long time. And, and um, you know, you, you, made your, you, you made your way through. Um, and I definitely think that people can change. Um, uh, um, not everyone does, though. Um, mm-hmm. And... You know, some of us were lucky. We do the hard work on ourselves and the hard work of being happy. And yeah, we get to smash through triumphant and pounding on our chests. But you know, not everyone's so fortunate. And some people's trajectory goes in in another direction, um, or um, it, it seems to go in another direction for for much longer than they want. Uh, but uh, yeah, but I but I do believe that if you if you do the work, um, you can transcend and you can transform. And and again, um, maybe that that transcendence and transformation is going to be in the form of baby steps. Um, but yes, I like the um, baby steps. <laughs> I like yeah, the baby um, steps, and it's a, it's a good I'm, reminder. Yeah. Oh God, I'm all about the ba- baby steps. That's. All I'm all about the baby steps. The thing so, that, that uh, makes me a little bit sad hearing you talk about having to work so hard for happiness. I would like for it to be a little bit easier for you to be happy and not such a lot of hard work. Yeah, I mean, I would I would like it to be too. And you know, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I mean, don't no, don't get me wrong. I'm in a really I'm in a good I'm in a really good place right now. Um, good. But okay, when you're good. when you're not when you're not in a good place when you're in the bad place. Um, where where I've been, you know, the dark place. You've been in the dark place. Mm-hmm. A lot of us have been. Yep. A lot of people listening to us right now have been in the dark place. And when you're yeah. in the dark place, um, getting the fuck out of there. When the knives is, look really, when the knives on, that are uh, on the uh, cutting board, the magnetic strip are looking really good, put down the knife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah. But Walk I mean, away. Yeah. I'm I'm in a I'm in a good place now, and and I don't have good. to work as hard to be happy. I mean, happiness is just mm. it just it comes to me now. But um, you know, and and for anybody who's listening who is in the dark place, um, you know, it uh, you know baby steps is possible. So baby, baby steps. steps, yeah, baby steps. Okay, well, Antonia, with that, with that, um, uh, uh, very. Uh, Tony Robbins motivational uplifting ending to our call. Um, <laughs> I just I want to thank you so much for joining me, and I'm a oh huge God, fan you of me. you. I'm a huge fan of your work. Spent to everyone listening. Karen, if you right back at you. Your book is yeah, amazing. Have, oh, thank I you so it. much. But everybody, if you haven't read Spent, get it right now. Buy it. You will love it. And um, and Antonia, uh, I hope I get to see you soon. 